If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia and you're listening to Roaring 20s Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roaring 20s Podcast. Today, we have on with us Amy. Amy is an Enneagram coach. She's a heart-centered and multi-certified quantum Enneagram life and sex coach. So cool. And she uses the Enneagram and powerful AF coaching techniques to help wake you up and guide you through radical soul evolution. I'm so excited. I already told Amy I know nothing about this other than my numbers. So if you know nothing about this, don't worry. That's why Amy's here. Hey, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are so excited. If you can't tell, I love learning about new stuff and I, especially stuff like this is like so up my alley. So I'm so grateful to have you here and for your time and to like dig into all this stuff. For sure. For sure. Where do we get to start? Let's start with you, Amy. Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from and how old you are since it's roaring twenties. Okay. I'm not in my twenties. Um, I live in Northeastern Oklahoma with my husband. We have two cats, two dogs and a pet pig. I discovered the Enneagram I've discovered. Okay. I came Wait, across. I'm, sorry, I'm just distracted by the pet pig because it's so cute. So cute, Julia. Oh my God. Y'all can have her. She's also, oh, I'm dying. Oh Please look. What are you doing? Oh my, that's baby Ellie. She's new. That's your little Aussie. Yes. Oh. She's brand new and this is just hilarious because she's just like digging into the couch, but continue. So, yes, I had, an Aussie. I had an Aussie for 13 years. Best dogs ever, 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 ever. Mm. Yes. The best. Um, so my husband and I live in Oklahoma. We have all these animals. Uh, in the daytime, I am a recruiter for a mortgage company. So there's still like human connection in everything I do, right? Whether it's the Enneagram or my corporate role. Uh, I'm a two wing three. So kind of like same, but different as you two, right? We're just flipping. So twos are tend to be, I don't like to talk in, I like to talk in more generalizations. Uh, twos tend to be the most connection focused. So it's no surprise that I'm doing that in the day and at night. Like mm. any moment that I'm breathing, I'm somehow connecting with people. I also have ADHD. What else did you ask me? 
<laughs> no, I think that was, I think that was everything. And I'm 37. I'm 37. Yeah. I'll be 38 next year. And I, like we were saying before we started recording, I cannot imagine how different my life would be if I had had the information and the tool and the resources that the Enneagram provides all those years ago. And oh, some of the most formative, most important, hardest years of your life, like your twenties are so fucking hard. And this tool can help you learn so much about yourself. So yeah. Oh my God. I'm so yeah. Thank you so much. And, and it's, it's so true. We're obviously so excited to have you for so many reasons, but it's just like, that's why we have this show too. Like Julia and I were feeling so lost. Not that we know all of the things now, cause we don't, and we openly admit that there's no reason to, nobody does, but it's like, we love to talk to people like you who can provide us with tools to help guide us because if there's anything that we've heard time and time again for people that we have on the show, it's like, I wish I had known this sooner. I wish I had like showed up more authentically at this time or been honest or vulnerable about who I am, like all this stuff. So we're using, using, not using, but we're um, gaining knowledge from people like you to help inform us to like feel aligned now or start to um, because we're so like diluted, I guess, sometimes by all these things that we hear or ways that we think we're supposed to be. So with all that being said, for someone who's listening to this and is like, okay, I've heard of Enneagram, but I don't actually know what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Would you mind describing it? Yeah. So I have a little like definition I have typed up like right next to me. So um, I haven't like nailed this spiel yet. So it's really, it's a personality kind of typing system that describes patterns of how people interpret the world and their emotions. So it's kind of like a three by, there's nine types. So it's like a three by three arrangement. And there's a set of three types and three different, what they're called centers of intelligence. So twos, threes, and fours, hello, are heart types, which means that twos, threes, and fours process the world through emotions in some capacity, all in different ways first. Five, sixes, and sevens are head types. So they process the world logically through their minds first. And then eights, nines, and ones are part of what's called the instinctual or the gut triad. And they process everything through their gut. Like they just, they just know. Whereas I got to like reach for my heart first. Eights, yeah. nines, and ones are like, no, I just know. I just know at some capacity. So it's kind of broken down in that way, but at a different level, I like to explain it as kind of like a roadmap to your soul and heavy on the map analogy. Like, you know, if you're driving down the road, those they're called rumble strips. Those things that if you like go too far over, they go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take your heart. That's the Enneagram. It's, it's there to wake you up to unhealthy patterns, unhealthy behaviors, things you might not have known about yourself. Because once you have that awareness, right? Once you like hit that rumble strip and you're like, oh, I'm a two. And I tend to be like manipulative sometimes. That's not pretty. Yeah. <laughs> once you're aware of that, you can address that and do something about it if you want to. And so it can be used in so many ways, in all the ways. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. Like, and I just, I love how it, it's just like a tool. Like, it, like the way you explained it, like it's a tool. It can help you. It can help you like be reflective. It seems like, and like just be aware of who you are and how you show up in the world. And it's so funny. Like, I didn't know that about like, these are heart types. These are head types. And these are like gut types. And it's so funny. Cause then when I think of people in my life who I don't know their numbers, I'm like, oh, you're definitely one of those. Or like, oh, you're definitely one of those. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's really good that, like inner work first like that's where it should start the Enneagram yeah. is an inner journey and also like I know you guys are threes so that helps me communicate and understand you better right like my right. husband seven and I know how he communicates him now that I know he's a seven right it helps me understand him better and when I understand yeah. him better 
I can have compassion and that improves our marriage and our communication and our sex life. Yes. Like we are thriving since discovering the Enneagram. It can, so it's, it's both an inner journey and it can be used outward as well. Not to like project on people or use it to excuse behavior. It's not like I'm a three. So that's why I have the shitty attitude today. Which is not a three thing. I just made that right, up. Right, right, um, right. It's not there to like excuse your behavior, but it can give you so much compassion for other people. Yeah. My can favorite. You, can you, I want to break those down. Like I first want to do like the you part and then like the dealing, like the relating to others part. Can you just like go into that a little bit more? So you described it as, you know, this tool to help us see how we relate to the world, how we deal with ourselves. How does knowing your number like do that. What are some, what are some ways that you see knowing your number, like helps you discover yourself more deeply? Like how can people, once they know their number and we'll get to like how to find out your number and stuff like that, but once they know their number, how do they apply that in like inner work? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a big question too. Yes. Take your time. I know that's a huge one. So without going too deep into it, because just this answer could be the whole podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. Every type is tied, your every human is tied to five numbers in the Enneagram. So your main type, the wings you have on either side of you, you have access to both of those numbers on either side of you. Oh, you have, oh. Access to it. So you both have access to two and four. I have access to three and one. And there's a number, they're called the lines. Well, we just call them lines or arrows. Um, so there's, everyone goes to another type when they are really stressed and triggered. They take on the really unhealthy traits of that type. So I go to eight, I go to unhealthy eight in stress. It's not pretty. No one's stress line is pretty. Yeah. And then in growth type twos go to four and moments of real growth and transformation. So there's, once you have a good understanding of your type first and foremost, right? That's where it's got to start. Start with your type, read everything you can. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go past Instagram. You don't have to go past Pinterest. Mm-hmm. I would I would recommend you do because there's a lot, there's some misinformation out there, but start with your type and really, really dive into that. What does my type look like in stress? What does it look like in growth? You will immediately notice those patterns in yourself. Mm -hmm. Like when I freeze and when they're really stressed and triggered, go to type nine. So that can look like dissociating, going from like, go, 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 like threes do to hitting a wall and vegging out. Your energy is gone. You've gone as far as you can go. You would rather not, right? You, you might start caring a little less about things. Mm-hmm. So once you know that, right, once you're aware of that and you're in that moment and you're like, huh, I'm really just sitting here very disconnected from my body, disconnected from all of that beautiful type three energy. That's an invitation for some self-love probably. Like, what do I need right now to help get me out of this, this really hard moment? When I feel myself get really big in my unhealthy type eight energy, I'm like, chill out. Chill out. Okay. We're in our stress line. Let's just take a minute. But I think the best way to go about it is to learn about your type first and read everything you can, everything you can, and be willing to look at the parts that are probably the hardest to look at. Mm -hmm. Like when you guys first read, you were threes. Was there anything about that where you were like, damn it. Yes, 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 yes. I I felt that about like when I just said like image centered to an extent or or like something along those lines. Identity, very identity driven. 
Yeah, like I, I took it almost like offensively because I was like, my image isn't everything. Like I care about people and like, you know what I mean? But then the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, this can be taken in so many different routes. Like I do care about what people think. I care about what people think of my work ethic. I care of what people think of how I show up in the world. Um, I do care about my, I guess though, just the word image feels very like, um, I don't know, shallow or something like that. Mm. Yes, superficial. Triggering um, for type threes, the ones you both just said, yep. Yeah, yeah. And and those are the things that I'm like, oh, like, do I, do I, am I like that? Or, you know, obviously there is so much more to life than, my goodness, you're being so goofies. Um, there's so much more to life than achievement, but there's so much that, you know, we both actively strive towards, you know, these goals that do, we do tie to our identity or our worth. And even if we don't want to, it's just the way we operate <laughs> in a lot of ways. So I, I love the way you describe all this because I think it just comes back to like knowledge is power um, and being informed about this stuff can help us like better prepare for how we may react to something and be able to take care of ourselves better. But anyway, continue with your, your question on um, what we didn't like about the threes. Yeah. So I, I, I like to tell people if you're reading about a type and it makes you feel exposed and naked and raw, there's a really good chance that's your type. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and it's really normal to feel that way, right? Especially if you've really never dove into inner work before or any kind of like personality type thing. It can be, I was mortified. I was like, oh, I don't want to be a two. I don't want to be a two. Let wow. me take that test again because no. Interesting. And I took it like six more times. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm a two. Yeah. <laughs> There's no getting out of this. Um, but then you almost need to, not almost, you do, you need to lean into the mm -hmm. parts that are the most like horrifying to you, right? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're really tied up into identity, how can you find, like the question I would ask is like, how can you find the balance between identity and self-love? Because if you're really tied into identity, you're worrying about what the world and others think of you and you're disconnected from that inner love. Yeah. So it's more, how do we find that balance, right? There is nothing wrong with achieving and being high achievers. I like to say that everyone like low-key wishes they were threes because you guys are the get shit done people. Like if I need motivation to get things done, I call my friend Amanda, who's a type three. I'm like, help. <laughs> hype me up, get me going, motivate me. And she always yeah. does. Yeah. So there's always really beautiful qualities to all the types. But I also like to say that our strength can also be our struggle. So I'm all about like love and feelings and that's great to a certain extent, right? Right. Like, love do we really need? Like you guys are high achievers, but how much does one human really need to achieve? There's more to life than just that. Yeah. So a really long answer to say, lean into the hardest parts of it. That's where the growth is. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to really open your eyes to the pieces you don't want to see. Yeah, I think that that I'm glad you gave that example as well, because I think people hear that it's like, okay, when you read something about your personality, like then like lean into it. But I think people are like, well, what does that mean? Like, right. how, how do I do that? Especially if it's something that I want to maybe push away or not claim as mine. It's hard to do that. But I think that that is where the the real self growth comes from when we are able to recognize those things about ourselves and say like, okay, maybe that needs some more balance in my life. Or maybe like I can be better in that area of my life. That's how we improve, like by recognizing it and then leaning into it and doing something about it versus just pushing it away or pretending that it's not 
a part yeah. of us, which is the easier thing to do. And I, I don't blame people for doing that. But if you want to do like the deep self work and be the best version of yourself, like I'm just so glad you gave that example because I think people do want that, but don't really know how to start that journey. And it's a hard journey. It's not an easy journey. I mean, it, get, it gets a little bit easier, but in the beginning, it's just, it's embarrassing because you're like, shit, <laughs> this yeah. is, these are not things I love about myself, but you have to know them, right? It starts with yeah. awareness. It always starts with awareness. So once you have that awareness, then it's on you to do something with it. And that's where I think the Enneagram can really be such a beautiful tool. Yeah. So how do people find out what their Enneagram is? I think we should throw that near the top so everyone can like pause and go look at theirs and then come back and keep listening if you want to follow along like that. So a lot, I hate not, I hate recommending taking a quiz. It is like a lot of us grew up with like, you guys might not have, but like Cosmo magazines and like taking quizzes and all of that. That was my favorite thing to do ever. Like I always wanted the magazines with the quizzes because I wanted to know everything about myself. All the things, all the things. It's just hard to know someone's motivation, which is what the Enneagram is based on. It's the why. So Mm -hmm. one of the many ways they ask, they ask in probably 10 different ways in a lot of the quizzes, do you like to help? Okay, well, I am, twos are called the helper. I love to help. You guys love to help. I'm sure. I know you do your threes. My best friend's an eight. I know she loves to help. So a lot of people will be like, oh yes, I love to help. So you can really, really easily mistype that way. Mm. I know people still love the quiz. So if you want to take a free quiz, I would say go to truity.com, T-R-U-I-T-Y.com. It's free. You do not need to pay the $20 at the end. Um, So at the end of that, there's going to be a pie graph. And I would take a screenshot of that and it'll tell you right below it, which type you have, which type you scored highest on. I would say probably in those top three percent, like the top, the highest um, ranked ones are your type is likely in there. So if you want to do the quiz, do the quiz. I have a free typing guide on my Instagram that probably has like five to 10 bullet points on each type. The best way to know your type is to like really dive into it and read about each type and see which one resonates with you. Mm-hmm. That's how you're really going to know a quiz. I've never typed anything but a two ever. <laughs> I've yeah. tried uh, one other quiz. I typed as a nine once. Um, but I know so many people who have been mistyped just based on quizzes. So if you take a quiz, my recommendation is to not just take that as fact in Bible. Mm-hmm. Do a little more research after that. Yeah. You can go into my Instagram and I have a highlight that just says like any of posts and you can click through some of those and just see which ones really, really resonate with you. It's, mm. I, I, this is like probably a rude thing to say, but I feel like I wonder how many of us are really honest when we're taking those quizzes. Like I yeah. think it's so easy to want to be the things that you think are the good answers. Yeah. And like, I like, you have to be really freaking ready to be really honest with yourself if you're going to like take yeah. one of these quizzes and really want to yeah. use that knowledge because I think it's so easy to be like do you want to help great question I think most people will be like yeah like I'm super helpful like you know right. always want to be that but are you really in all reality are they right yeah. no Ooh, it's, it's- say one more thing on taking the quiz if anyone listening does do the quiz when you're answering those questions I would consider the answer for your entire life, not just today, even when you were maybe like, I know a lot of people listening are going to be in their twenties. So 
I normally say consider your 20s as well. So maybe like late, late teen years up through your 20s, Mm -hmm. not just like, how would I answer this today? Especially if you're someone that had maybe a lot of trauma when you were younger and you've overcome that. Um, or if you've done a lot of inner work, right, you could be really, really like evolved at this point. Mm. So I would consider your answer throughout a large portion of your life and not just today because your type yeah. doesn't ever change. Yeah. So that's kind of a question that ugh, I feel like it's a dumb question, but I'll ask it anyway, but like something like Julia's super into astrology. Um, and I know that a lot of that is determined by like what time we're born and the time of the month and all that stuff, the time of the month, that sounds the so time of the, month. Uh, the time <laughs> of the month, whatever it, it's from when you're born. So I guess like how, how is our Enneagram, like, does that start from when we're young too, based on what you just said, like that we should consider our whole lives. How does that work? Yeah. So there's a couple of schools of thought around that. Yeah. One of them is you're just born your type and that's it. And you're just that type for the rest of your life. The other one is that in your really younger years, like anywhere from like one to five years old, that something happens that creates your type that maybe triggers that it's like a reaction to something that happened. And I'm not really prone to believe either one. Like I'm not like tied to either one. I can totally see it either way, especially I also love astrology, right? Like you're just born what you're born but I could also see that being formed based upon an experience that they are really formative years. So I don't have a solid answer there, but it, it's one of those two. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that's, that's super helpful. It is. Cause that, cause I think that's just part of what like got my mind going. So I was like, Hmm, is it, is it influenced by certain things or honestly just based on like considering our whole life? I think I'm like, huh, I feel like I've definitely evolved from like high school when me and Julia were in high school together but I guess a lot of like my core of how I am has still remained the same I guess just the way that I you know maybe like tiptoe less or whatever a whole bunch of things but it's just really interesting so I appreciate that Everybody knows that Brenna and I are super big on habits and having and maintaining habits that help us live our best lives. And sometimes we need a little help tracking those habits so that we can make sure we're staying on top of things in order to reach our goals, whatever our goals may be. And that's why today we're talking about Noom. Noom is a great tool to help you track your habits in order to reach your health and wellness goals, whatever they may be if you have them, which if you don't, all good. But if you have a health or wellness goal, Noom is a great tool to help you out. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. And again, this is so personal. And Noom understands that everybody's goals are unique and what works for someone else might not work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible. It focuses on progress and not perfection, which we love, allowing you to work towards your goals at a pace that is comfortable and right for you, whatever those goals may be. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. So I wanted to know, out of curiosity, for type threes, like what are the most common things? Obviously, this is a selfish question, everyone, but like what are the most common things that you see as 
um, what's the word? Like you said, with like stress lines and whatnot, like what are the most common things that you see beyond like maybe like burnout or stuff like that? Burnout. <laughs> burnout. Is that it? Yeah. I mean, not the only, of course. Um, but you guys tend to go so fucking hard always. Like if doing the most was a person, it would be a three. It would be a three. Me also, maybe my husband is a seven, but three for sure. Yeah. So burnout is very real. Exhaustion is very real. That that running on empty, that your own cup being on empty because you're always yeah. doing is also very real, especially for um, type threes who are moms, right? Because then they end up, all of that energy shifts, can shift into their children. So then they're going and going for their kids and there's nothing left for them at the end. Um, I see a lot of type threes feeling shame. Each type and those um, head types, heart types, and gut types all have an underlying emotion they struggle with. We're very lucky in the heart type. Ours is shame. Yeah. Yeah. So threes can experience shame when they fail or feel like they're not doing well enough. Or if someone doesn't see them in the light they want, <laughs> Julia's like, Ooh. it was like, oh. I'm not a three, not me. Yeah. Don't look over here. <laughs> like, I don't want to be this, um, which is so typical for threes. If someone doesn't like see them in the right light, right? Because it's that, again, that identity piece, but two, threes, and fours are identity pieces. So I, I feel you. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's so funny too, because I, Brenda and I, are, we're very different. Like we're very different, but at the core, we're very the same, but everything yeah. you say, I'm like, Oh, that parts me. That parts Brenda. Like yeah. it, it, it within the same thing, like the, like the shame thing of failure. That's totally me. The thing you just said about people seeing you in the right light, like that's totally Brenda. And it's just so interesting how people can be quite different, but have those same kind of like driving forces well yeah. I think it's also like the circumstance is different because I honestly identify probably with like every single thing regarding a three but just the way it manifests in our lives like I think yeah. for Julia in terms of failure like it's a lot more regarding her career whereas for me in terms of failure it's with maybe stuff around my body or fitness or the way that I'm showing up in my relationships like it's just it's like different categories I guess personalized yeah, it's to- so yeah. interesting that's a great point. And I'm not going to get into this because it is such, oh my God, it's a whole beast of a topic and I haven't dove into it enough, but so the reason you guys can look the same and different uh-huh. is on top of the nine types, there's also 27 subtypes. So every single Enneagram type can be like, as a one, you can either be social one-to-one or self-preservation. Hmm. So there's three of those for every type. So there's 27 different subtypes. Whoa. So so when we get off of this podcast, go Google Enneagram type three subtypes. And I would imagine you would both be different subtypes. So like a type two, I'm a social type two, maybe a sexual type two. Um, I look much different than a self-preservation type two, much different. You would not, you might not even know we're twos. You might not even know that she is. Well, you probably will, but we're going to show up a lot differently. So there's, there's so much to it. There's so much to it. Yeah. But shame is, yeah. Oh, yeah. The shame thing is so real. My shirt says shame. We don't know her. Like, yeah. (laughs) No. And it's the most unhelpful emotion that we have. Like shame does nothing, but here we are feeling that way all the time. I think it does try to protect us in some way, just not a healthy way, not a healthy way. Yeah. 
Um, I like to tell my shame to fuck off. Like I, I yeah. say that out loud when it happens. Ooh, I like that. Like, no, you're not gonna, not today, not today. Not, not today. Shame. Not today. <laughs> what? So there's like the wings, and then how? How do those affect you? And yeah. why are we a? Why am I a three wing two and not a, a three wing four? Like why does it specify which side you fall on? So your wings. So just so you know, your wings have to be on either side of your type. Like you cannot be a three wing five. You cannot be a seven wing two. You yeah. can only be a two wing one, two wing three, three wing two, three wing four, etc. I like to call it borrowed energy. A lot of Enneagram practitioners will call it um, like the seasoning of your personality, which is how like, like a two wing three, we're more, we're a little more bubbly. We're doubling down in that heart center, right? You guys double down in the heart center either way, being in yeah. the middle. But like a two-wing one, that one energy is going to come in and make them a little bit more practical. So the yeah. three-wing two, you guys are going to be a little more relational focused because twos are the big connectors versus a three-wing four. They're going to be a little more introspective and looking inward versus looking to others to connect. The core, to your point, what you said a minute ago, will still be the exact same. The motivations, the fears, all of that, all the same but your personalities might look or will look different based on that wing and your wings can change throughout life. It's not going to be like in 2021, you're a three wing four and you're not going to bounce back and forth a lot. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding is it can happen with like some growth or after like childhood. Mm -hmm. I can, I can see my three wing is very heavy, very heavy. <laughs> yeah. But that the ones that perfectionistic, tendencies is so much fun can still like creep in there, but you can also intentionally use your wings. You have access to that. Mm -hmm. So when you're sitting here worrying what people like think about you as a three, you know, who does not ever think about that? I mean, not never a type four. Well, not never. I would, I wouldn't say not never, but fours are very much about standing in their truth authenticity, mm -hmm. showing up as who the fuck you are. So you do have access to that. It might not be what you reach for first, yeah. but you absolutely can do that. Wow. So Brenda's like in a trance. I am. No, I really am because I don't know. It's just, it's so cool to me that I don't know. We don't always, I'm grateful to have an opportunity to talk to you about this stuff because I think we always like kind of hope something like this exists and it does <laughs> um, to just help guide us. Like I think guide is such a beautiful word, but also it, it makes me think of something that like Julie and I used to talk about all the time in terms of like, um, like love languages or stuff like that. Like there are certain moments either in friendships or my relationship or stuff like that, where I literally couldn't, like, I almost felt wrong because I'm, I would think to myself like, huh, maybe like, it sounds dramatic, but I used to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe he doesn't like love me the way that I, that I love him because he doesn't show love in this way, like a really extreme thing. But at the end of the day, I felt like unseen years ago because I expressed my love differently through words of affirmation. I love that. I love words of affirmation, which I guess ties into my three. Um, but like for um, my boyfriend, like he's so centered around like acts of service, quality time. And those are beautiful things. I also treasure those things, but on a different level. Um, so anyway, I just think it's so cool to have more knowledge about this stuff because I think it allows us to feel informed and take things less personally because of like how they're intended, you know? 
as part of your point, I would I would say two things to that. That's really beautiful noticing on your part, really, like to notice that yeah. the difference in like how you show love and how you receive love. Yeah. I would say don't ever be afraid to tell someone how you need to be loved. I recently, my husband and I've been together for 13 years, and I only did that in the last, I don't know, month of our relationship where I was like, hey let's sit down for a minute. This is how I really love to be loved. Like if this could come into play sometimes, like standing in your truth, that's not leaning into that fourness right there, right? For you, that's what that would be. And also when I talk to people who are struggling with that, that's so valid and so common. Brenda, I just want you to know that's so common. But to also ask yourself, how else does this person show me love? Which is obviously what you did. That's what you did. But that's such a healthy thing. Like for me, I want you to like hold me and love me and like all the quality time. But my husband is, he's not that guy. He's not that guy. So I just asked him, I'm like, could we do that just a bit more? Yeah. And also I want to remind myself that he shows love through action, right? So it's kind of that balance between this is what I need. And also I really love what you're already giving me because however someone chooses to love you should be not necessarily enough. That's very toxic positivity, um, but it's worth like looking at more. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I do. And I, I think that that's something that a lot of people, one, are afraid to speak up. I know at first, like I absolutely was not because I thought I'd be judged, but I just was like, oh, I don't really like, how is this going to land? Because I think you're also, at least for me, like I'm always afraid or often have been afraid of like offending someone. Cause it's not like you don't feel the love or something. It's just a different, it hits different. <laughs> um, okay, then they might not admire you. And if they don't admire you, yeah, that, that could be potentially triggering for a three. If you haven't done the work to like kind of release some of that need for external validation. So that's very valid to feel that way. Yeah, exactly. No. So it's, it's, it's so helpful to hear that. And I think something that I love about how you phrased having a conversation like that with anyone in your life, whether it is like a romantic partner or whether it's like friendships and, and tiptoeing or, and not having to tiptoe around difficult conversations of, you know, not being so accusatory or, but, but saying like, I really love when you blank, 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 or this would make me feel really seen, you know, whatever. So I love that language because I think it opens people to a lot better of a conversation versus, you know, fights also when you have that awareness of how someone might perceive something based on their type who they are like it just helps you enter those conversations in a more productive way because if you just have that little bit awareness of they are this type of person they do they you know respond or don't respond to these type of actions like it just helps it's just you can be more productive in Mm -hmm communicating and in in asking for what you need because sometimes the way we say something is everything and like if you just have a little extra awareness of like like I don't know my boyfriend's type but I bet he's a head one one of those (laughs) I bet Brenda's is too um but like because like just knowing like okay he might be someone who like is thinking about everything first before he's like feeling about everything first like might help us would if we ever run into something that you know is an issue in that area yeah for sure so much of our marriage I thought you obviously don't love me as much as I love you literally what Brenda just said because I show my emotions so much more he has emotions he just doesn't prefer to show them in the way that I do and once you can really know that it helps it's funny you just said that Julia I'm doing a post tomorrow on how to improve communication with each Enneagram type. So that'll be that, 
<laughs> awesome. That is so awesome. I, but I just, I think that is so powerful. I think that's such a powerful tool, like to know yourself and to know how you, you know, respond to certain things. And then to know that about the people that you love and really want, you know, productive, strong relationships with, because like Brenda said, like I have certain friends who I can talk to one way and certain friends that I have to speak to another way, just because like people receive things differently and just having that knowledge it's such an amazing tool for creating stronger relationships because then you're actually, you have the the platform to actually get to the issue versus how you're communicating about the issue. Yeah, because then it's going to be like, my best friend's an eight and I'm a two. So she's big and bold. She's actually very small and big and bold. And I'm very soft. And we have learned so much about how to communicate with each other, right? Oh, she can't come at me like she would come at an eight. Like she can't come at me just direct and bold and aggressive, which that's not really their style anyway, but that would not, I would not be able to receive that. Like, I don't need someone to hold my hands and put on like white cotton gloves, but I need a little more gentleness in people's approach with me. If it's a conversation that's like emotionally charged, I'm not saying baby me or enable any kind of bad behavior. But if you know that I just need a little bit more compassion in our conversations, I will be able to receive whatever message you're saying so much better. Just like threes, get to the point, be direct. We have shit to do. Yeah. Yeah. Set clear expectations. Give me examples of what you want, right? Like I know this about threes. So it's so much more helpful versus just going on and on because they don't have time for that shit. A hundred percent. Tell me, <laughs> we could do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, how, if it does, do Enneagrams play a role in our sex lives? Like, obviously it plays a relationship. I mean, it plays a role in our relationships and our communication and our relationship to ourselves. Does it show up at all in our sex lives? Yeah, shame, <laughs> shame for sure. That underlying emotion, right? Interesting. Shame can definitely show up, which you do not have to be a two, three, or four to experience shame in the bedroom. Yeah. I would say it more so shows up with communication in the bedroom, right? Once you've done the work to really know yourself and your partner, that's going to increase communication, right? So being able to ask for what you want, which can be very hard for some people. Some types, no problem, no problem at all. But other people, it can be really hard to ask for what you want or say what you don't like. Just so many conversations can be so emotionally charged and bring shame right on in there. So if you know how to have those conversations and how to communicate, it really opens up the possibilities for a much deeper connection in the bedroom. Yeah, no, that's so powerful. I, I, we've had, um, we've talked about sex a good amount on this podcast in general, just because I feel like obviously it's, it's still a taboo thing. Um, and I think it's something that, especially when it comes to, like, I find it's powerful in general, just to hear in terms of like shame, intimacy, stuff like that. Like it's something that really is across so many different people. I guess the way it manifests is different in the way that it, it shows up in our personalities. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, I think that stuff like this, ultimately, like the more that we talk about it, the more that people are like, oh shoot, I'm not the only one experiencing this. So um, it it makes such a big difference. And I am curious, because you did mention it before, um, when it comes to what you wish you kind of had known either in your twenties or before then, or any of that, what do you think the most valuable thing up until this point that the Enneagram has like brought to your life would be? 
the Enneagram has, it, it changed my marriage. It completely changed my marriage. Wow. Like my husband's a seven. So they're like the enthusiast, that life of the party, that like good, 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 good energy. Yeah. But again, that strength can be your struggle. Sevens can struggle to come down from that a little bit mm-hmm. um, and have emotional balance. Uh, my friend Leslie said that the other day for sevens. I thought that was so beautiful. Emotional balance is yes. such a powerful thing for sevens. Anyway, so once I understood how his seven is showed up in our marriage, it changed everything. Like he does not enjoy hard conversations. Sevens want to keep it like upbeat. Let's keep going fun. So I used to think that he just didn't love me or didn't love me enough or was ignoring me. But Mm. the Enneagram taught me that those things are just hard for him. And so now I know that our communication is totally changed. Like, babe, want to talk about something? Do you have space for a difficult, what, what is going to feel like a difficult conversation to you? No. Okay. When will you tomorrow later in the week versus before I would just (laughs) drive that point home. I'd be like, we're talking about this. We're talking about it right now. And that never gets you anywhere. Like forcing someone to have a conversation they don't want to have. Yeah. So it's given me compassion for him. And he understands too. He thought that sensitivity just meant, you know, your feelings got hurt easily and you cried a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so he understands it's a little deeper than that now. Yes. Um, and it's really just communication is huge. We did um, like an Instagram live on this months ago and it always comes back to communication. Always, always. It's yeah. totally changed our marriage. Yeah. Do you think, and I, I don't, uh, do you think that relation people are more compatible with certain, um, types than others or do you think that just having an overarching knowledge on the types or the type of person that you might like have chemistry with or connect with or maybe are dating um can make you feel more compatible because you understand each other does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense I would definitely I don't know that certain types pair better together there's definitely types that could potentially balance each other better um maybe not better isn't the right word could have maybe more balance but like if I'm a two and I'm in a relationship with an eight, there's going to be an emotional disconnect there on my end. I'm going to feel like there's an emotional disconnect. Mm. If that eight is willing to do the work to drop into their heart space. And I'm willing to do the work to kind of back off being so emotionally, like yeah. more, more. Yeah. So I think it doesn't matter the types or the pairings, if you will, so long as both people are willing to do their own work and learn about each other's other type, like start with your own and then swap and learn about the other person's type. And no matter the pairing, there's always room for like improvement and growth and so much love and connection if you're willing to do that. Oh, it's just so interesting. And it just seems like, so. I it just seems like such a powerful tool in to use in relationships. Like having that understanding of yes. someone that you love is so unbelievably powerful. And I like, can't believe we don't like yeah. use that more. Cause sometimes, sometimes that's, hard to um like explain or like put to words and I think that like having an Enneagram number that actually gives you the vocabulary for it is so helpful because you could like know someone is a certain way but not have the vocabulary to like digest that and so you don't know how to work with it but when you have that vocabulary for it like it it put it lays it out for you so that you can actually do something about it yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's your, like your partner, your friendships. I have 
okay, everyone I meet, I type, um, my parents, my sister, like looking yeah. back at my childhood, I'm like, holy shit, I can see how my mom was a nine and I was a two. Yeah. I used to work in a corporate setting. Like if I meet you at a grocery store, no, I don't do that. But <laughs> I mean, there's nowhere it can't be used. Like it can literally be used anywhere. If you really do know someone's the type, it really can't like, yeah. yeah. Like that my best friend, when she shuts down, like I know that she's going to her stress line of five and I'm like, okay, invitation to back off, give her space. Like, I know that's what she needs. Like it can be used everywhere. And it's yeah. so interesting. And I feel like we asked this question, but this is kind of like, a, we, we did ask this question, but this is a, a more digestible way for me to understand it. Like how much of it is nature versus nurture? Like how much of it is like someone is born this way or like you you are made this way because you were like nurtured to be this way when you were young. I don't have a solid answer for that. Just because I'm not sure of like the origins around like, is it at birth where it is just truly like right. nature? Like, like the Zodiac, right? Is it just, you're born that way and that's what that is? Right. Or is it, be, or is it, or is your type a response to an event that happened, right? Like twos, right. our biggest fear is being rejected. So there's a chance that it's very easy for little kids and babies to feel rejected. Like there's a chance that like, that's our core fear is rejection. Interesting. Yeah. Rather hit me with a shovel in the face than reject. <laughs> it would hurt less. Yeah, wow. So if I, as an infant or child felt rejected, that could have formed me into a two, which is more like nurture. So I'm just right. not totally sure. Yeah, which right. Way. Right. I can really see it being either way. Yeah. Right. So interesting. It is. It's fascinating. Fascinating. No, it really is so fascinating. But I, what I'm taking from this whole conversation is that threes are the best, right? Oh, <laughs> I have anything to say. Every movie ever said every, I make Enneagram shirts and one of them says, uh, one of my type three shirts says in huge letters, like best three ever. And is that, that a, one, such a three all thing things by that. There's like 10 options and that's the only one they buy. And I love it so much. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just need to know that my number is the best and oh. then I'm good. <laughs> then Every time I do one of those, like, ask me a question about the Enneagram, all my type threes are like, why am I your favorite three? Like, stop, stop it. <laughs> oh. I'm just really, I'm just really like driving home that this stuff is accurate. Yeah, basically. <laughs> No, it, it, it's crazy, but this has genuinely been just, it's been so helpful and so eye-opening. So I hope anyone listening to this right now will take a moment to read up and, and see what like resonates with you. And I guess when I say resonates, I guess sometimes like Amy said earlier on in the episode, you might not like love <laughs> what you're reading, but sometimes it is more, there's more to it. There's more layers to it. Um, so it is, it is. that's a good point. I want to say that like yeah. a girlfriend of mine was, was typing and she, she took the quiz and she got a certain type and she was, and she was mortified. She was like, oh, it says that that type is selfish. I was like, yeah, it does, it does say that, but it's really easy. And then she convinced herself that wasn't her type. And she's never been willing to look at that type ever again. I, I don't know wow. if it is her type, but it's really easy when you're very first doing it to see like, oh, you're a three, you lack a lot of people put out there that threes are not emotional, which is bullshit. So if you read that, it's not true. It's not true. I am emotional. These <laughs> can be very emotionally manipulative when unaware and unhealthy. So it's really easy to like read that and that be the only thing you see. So mm -hmm. like to your point, keep reading. There's so much more than those pieces that like pop out and like 
hits you in the heart or gut. There's so much more to it than just like that one little thing that's going to trigger you. Yeah. yeah. And being willing to be open to those things though. I think like, yes, being like, well, okay, this says I'm selfish. What areas in my life can I be selfish in at times? And like, you know, I think it's hard to be honest with ourselves, but if we really do want to use this as a tool for like deeper self-work and better connections, we have to be willing to be honest with ourselves and not everybody is perfect. And we all have areas in our lives that we can be better at. And that is nothing to be ashamed of. No. I mean, you, you would never, or you shouldn't at least like my therapist, I am so honest with her. I share the, the things I would consider the ugliest, the darkest, ugh. Love you that. have to be willing to do that yeah. with this as well. Like when you're trying to pick yes. your type, like you cannot just disregard the, what you might view as ugly. That's just your humanity. It's not ugly. It's not bad. It's just your humanity showing up. That's it. We all have a range of like humanity and that's the low end and the high end. And mm -hmm. the low end is what needs a little more love almost always. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think also just like specifically, again, we're coming back to us and proving the point, but in all seriousness, like, I think just to continue reading, cause there's so much more that I identify with or see connections with. Whereas at first I was like, like achievement only, like it seemed, it felt very like self-centered when my two portion of myself is so like, so for other people and like so much of my purpose and everything surrounds is like surrounded by wanting to make other people feel good, feel happy, feel heard, feel seen. So I was just like, wait, what? Like now it's about me. <laughs> yeah. I get that on a whole level. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, really. And, and, and I know you do just based on how you, you share and all that. So I think sometimes it's like, it shakes you for a second. Cause you're like, wait, like, do I even know myself? But then obviously you read on and it makes sense. But anyway, I'm sure you have stuff to share too. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Amy, before we let you go, we just have a couple last questions for you. This has been so amazing and eye-opening. If so, you do coaching. What is that like with your clients? How do you work with your clients? What would someone expect from working with you? Hey, so thanks for asking that. Um, I saw that as one of your really amazing, I loved your prepared questions. It made me, my structured heart so happy. Um, I don't mind winging it. I don't mind winging it at all. I'm here for that too, but I just, I love a good structured moment. Um, so when I started my coaching business, like November last year, I set it up kind of like this where we would get on zoom and that just never felt right. It never felt in alignment and I resisted it so much. So I haven't rolled this out yet, but I'm going to switch to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to call it like your Enneagram bestie coaching, like where you just have me in your pocket. So I'm, I'm going to start offering coaching through Voxer. So where it's voice messages or text messages, and that way it's not just one hour, right? Like there's a lot to be said in for one hour of therapy, one hour of coaching. I mean, two totally different things, but I just think it's more powerful to have a bit more access to your coach in that way. Because being on Zoom for one hour to me truthfully feels like so much pressure to make so much happen in yeah. 60 minutes for a client. I would rather them be able to come to me with real life scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, my parents' house, I'm on to seven, I'm a three, and she said this and I'm triggered. Can we talk through it? Oh, Absolutely. I love that. I think that was so beneficial. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like in your pocket, a girlfriend of mine also offers it and she calls it pocket coaching and I will not steal that name, but my God, it's the so cutest. Good. It's yeah. good. I love that. I do. And I, and I think also, I think it's so cool that like you're, you're doing what serves you best too. Like what's, what's more comfortable and what you believe is going to serve the people that you're 
going to be working with because I think there's a lot of pressure around like doing one style um of something but I think it's so true like there are so many times um with like a coach that I work with not Enneagram or anything specific but like when it comes to uh fitness and all that stuff where I'm like huh like besides when I like check in with her like so much comes up throughout the week that like it's helpful to be to have someone you can connect with and I'm sure I I I know it's the same with therapy that it's like this this one hour a week and granted a lot gets done but it's like I don't know I'm sure there are times where you are at your mom's house your mother-in-law's house whatever and you're like yeah, I kind of like wish I had you or could reach out or something like that. So yeah. for sure. And to your point, like the whole, I was, I was so tied up because I am so tied to identity. I was so tied into doing it how everyone else did. And it took me damn near six months to be like, God, I'm just going to do this my own way. It takes yeah. like, right. Like I've done the work I'm doing the work. No one's ever done with the work. I'm still doing the work. So, right. Like we're, we still have these patterns that no matter where we are in our growth process, that we can always fall back into. So even me and Enneagram coach, I'm not special. I still fell back into that, like people pleasing pattern that I've always had, like wanting to do it, how everyone else does. And eventually I was like, fuck that. No, fuck that. I'm going to do it. By having that awareness of that, something that you fall back into and can, you know, say and identify like, how incredible that you're able to know that and then use that. Like, whereas I think a lot of us, like we do have repeating patterns, but we don't know how to identify them. So we don't know how to move past them. Yep. Agree. Totally agree. It's yeah. so powerful. I mean, this has been so amazing. I'm going to go right after we do this and retake the quiz. Not because I think mine's wrong, but I want to like reread it again and like just do it for fun um, because it's so I you know like we said I love taking those Cosmo quizzes um I'm a three I love knowing about myself so um but Amy if you could tell and this could be about Enneagrams and stuff or it doesn't have to be at all um but if you could tell 20s year old Amy one thing what would you tell her Ooh, I would tell her it's gonna get so much worse <laughs> before it gets really good like it's gonna get really hard and that every one of those really fucking hard things will help form you to who you become. Like, God, it makes me emotional. Like yeah. all the hard shit you're going to go through, like learn from it. And I did, I'm very grateful. I did. I look back and I tried to learn from all of those, but I would definitely tell myself, just keep going. That's it. Just keep going. That's the message always. I love that. I love that. Cause I think, I think people go through a lot of hard stuff throughout their whole lives, but I think whenever they feel it in their twenties in a time where they feel like they should be doing something else or doing better or thriving or whatever. If that, you're an adult, you should have it figured out. Right. That's like, so this idea, but you know, when it doesn't feel that way, you just feel like you're failing. So I think that's a really beautiful, helpful, helpful message. Um, and where can people find you? So whether they want to work with you, whether they want you in their pocket, um, or they just want to follow along with, um, all of the beautiful stuff you share on social. Yeah. So I, need to totally overhaul my entire website because it's still set up for coaching on like zoom and stuff. So I just realized that damn it. Um, so for now, just check me out on Instagram. I'm just aligned soul co just align a L I G N E D soul co all one word. Love it. Amy. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your heart. This has been so fun and so exciting to learn about. And I just thank you for your time. We're so honored to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. You two have an incredible, like individual energy, but like together, it just works so well. Really, and I knew it would, I knew it would, but you guys have a really beautiful energy. I think what you're doing here is so important. So thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh my God.
gosh, of course. Thank you. Please, Amy, that means <laughs> the validation. So much. Yeah, we, we need we do. We're threes. We need that validation. No, we really do. <laughs> We love it. Okay, everyone go check out your Enneagrams. Let us know what you are. Connect with Amy on Instagram and goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring 20s podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.